Welcome to Amona Moment, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art in Laconner, Washington. The Museum of Northwest Art connects people with the art, diverse cultures, and environments of the Northwest. It also enriches lives in our diverse community by fostering essential conversations and encouraging creativity through exhibitions and educational activities that explore the art of the Northwest. On January 19th, Mona opened their new winter exhibitions, the 2016 Luminaries Award-winning artists and Spell of the West. The Luminary artists include Denzel Hurley, George Rodriguez, Suttonberry's Kohler, and Saya Moriyasu. Spell of the West is curated by Lauren Carroll Bolger and explores how the West was romanticized in art and features performance art. During this opening, the artists George Rodriguez, Suttonberry's Kohler, and Saya Moriyasu and curator Lauren Carroll Bolger spoke about the exhibitions and the new education gallery, Outside In, was officially opened. We hope you enjoy this Mona moment. this. We really appreciate your support by coming and listening to our programs, wondering about our exhibitions. I think that one of the things I'm going to start with is telling you about the exhibitions themselves. On the first floor are the exhibitions of the work by the 2016 Luminaires. The Luminaire program is something that the museum started and the concept is to give artists an opportunity to have an exhibition at the museum, as well as to receive a stipend in order to help them do the show. Um, it is a history that they've been doing, which is why you know we are at 2016 Luminaires, even though you know obviously it's 2019, because we have to fit the whole program into our current exhibitions, right? So the Luminaires have an opportunity to show also. So it's been a very interesting program. The program will continue. I think the only thing that we're going to change is the whole concept of an exhibition. So we're just putting that together. We're going to talk to the past luminaries, find out you know what's the best way, if everyone has a show, how we work that into our calendar so they don't wait uh, since 2016. However, I have to say that the interesting thing about all of the artists downstairs um, is that since 2016, they have all even excelled more. It's really kind of interesting. What they, with the work that they were doing at the time, it was basically the same. They're working with the same materials, but it's given them a chance to grow too, which is kind of what the whole thing was about, you know. And so you have even more time to prepare when you finally have your exhibition here. But anyway, we're honored to have them, and we're really pleased because you have three who are going to be speaking today. And as much as I hate to sort of pop up and down during your presentations, I'll do that because as I introduce them, each one has an amazing uh, history of their work. And I want to be able to at least give you that information before they talk. So I'll do that for each time an artist comes because otherwise I just feel that this gives them a better due for what they've done and their accomplishments. I'm going to start first with the Luminaire show. And what you have on the far wall downstairs is the work of Denzel Hurley. Denzel is not here, however, he, couldn't, he could not attend. But it's interesting, he has been a professor of painting at the University of Washington since 1994, I think it is. Excuse me, I have to cheat. 94. He's received NEA fellowships. He received a Pollock Krasner fellowship. He has had exhibitions around the country, and he also um, 
has had work in public collections like the Metropolitan Art, the Brooklyn Art Museum, the Yale Art Gallery. So he's very much advanced in his career. Now his award was for the Fay and Robert Jones Award for Painting. So all the luminaires are not necessarily emerging, but at the same time, they're at a point in their career where they're doing something that we would, the museum had wanted to recognize. And so that's why he is in the exhibition. Now I'm going to move to our first speaker from the show downstairs, and that is going to be George Rodriguez. And George is the Patty Washina Award for an Emerging Artist. Now since 2016, he's been emerged. <laughs> His career has really been fantastic for me to watch. And so we're really pleased to have him and show the work in the museum. He, um, let's see, got a BFA in ceramics from the University of Texas. He got his MFA from the University of Washington in 2009. And in 2010, he received the Bodner, Bodnerman, which I had not heard of before, Travel Fellowship. And you were able to travel around the world underneath that auspices. That's fantastic. He's completed a wonderful um, internship, apprenticeship at the Pottery Northwest in Seattle. And that's kind of where, and I think if any of you who attended the Seattle Art Fair um, this year, um, he was, had a wonderful booth uh, represented by his gallery, which is Foster White. And so we're really happy to have his series downstairs. I'm going to leave the talking about the series and how he works to him. So would you please welcome George Rodriguez. Hi, everyone. Um, really happy to be here. Very excited that this uh, exhibition came together and that um, I can share the space with such wonderful artists. Um, so I did move to Seattle in 2007 uh, to go to the Uni University of Washington for the MFA program. And even though I didn't study, I studied ceramics and sculpture there, but um, I saw and knew of Denzel Hurley's work. He was one of the uh, painting faculty, so I really got to see um, and admire his work there. And then over um, my stay in school and just living in Seattle for the past 11 years, um, seeing Sayo's work everywhere, seeing uh, Sunbury's Kohler's work like blow up and everywhere, it's like very exciting for me to uh, share the space with uh, you all, so thank you very much. Um, um, <clears throat> so. A uh, couple, couple things about the pieces down, downstairs and just the award, the Emerging Artist Award. Um, I remember seeing Patty Warshina's work in books, in all this literature as I was just learning ceramics and kind of learning that craft. Um, so to actually get an award from her and become friends and get to know um, her was like really amazing, very powerful. Um, I grew up in El Paso, Texas, and we would travel to Tempe uh, slash Phoenix to go and visit the Ceramic Research Center. So that was kind of the closest place from El Paso that I got to experience a lot of contemporary clay work. Um, and we went for, my class went for a funk ceramic uh, like exhibition. And Patty Warshino was one of the speakers there. And just to hear her talk about her work and kind of the impact that she's had um, 
in the clay world, in the art world, and just as an amazing force. Um, yeah, again, I can't speak enough on uh, how grateful I am to receive this award from her and from the museum. The, the work downstairs um, <clears throat> is kind of this culmination of my ideas and my experience with the Bonderman Travel Fellowship. So this was a fellowship that I received through the University of Washington right, out at a, right as I was leaving and graduating, um, which gave me the opportunity to just travel and experience the world and see what was out there. Um, before that, I had really only lived in El Paso and Seattle, so I knew you know, what the world was, but I didn't know how close and connected um, people really are. And that uh, fellowship, traveling for about 10 months, gave me the opportunity to um, build friendships and just see and experience different traditions, different mannerisms. And um, after, the, after the 10 months of traveling and just experience all, experiencing um, all of the things that happened, um, I came back and started to digest. And it took about six years after traveling to finally start to make sense of um, the connections that people shared within different cultures and kind of the things that we were, uh, that I was really like, felt were the, were the bones of, um, of just community and people. So the work downstairs, there's a big, there's a big head and um, that for me is a, <clears throat> this, this um, representation of the Olmec heads down in Mexico and Veracruz. So these big large stone heads um, that I haven't seen in person, but have made an impact on me just uh, visually. And paired with this kind of Persian, uh, Middle Eastern uh, face. So I have, I have kind of the privilege of being somewhat ambiguous when I travel, so people can, um, can think that I'm from a lot of different areas. Um, and it really was, Patty Warshina. Um, and that, and that really was, uh, <laughs> that, that really was, I mean, such a privilege to just be able to um, go into a community and be somewhat, um, you know, invited uh, until I started talking. Um, <laughs> but it still was this way of like being very accepted. Um, so what I am trying to do with the work is trying to bridge uh, different um, ideas from different cultures. The zodiac heads that are um, mounted on the wall are very closely based on Ai Weiwei's circle of animals. So um, I learned a little bit about the history of the Chinese zodiac and what the animals represent and how um, that narrative came to be. Uh, and then I learned about Ai Weiwei's sculptures and what he was trying to represent with recreating these um, empirical bronzes that were uh, taken from the palace. And um, all of this just made me think of trying to create that sort of narrative for a community that I um, belong to, which is the Mexican community. And what I did was just very literally translate um, some of those animals into animals that were found in uh, Mexican culture. So the dragon became the Quetzalcoatl, which is a feathered serpent. Um, the dog became the chihuahua, which is very like, it's a symbol of, you know, it's a, it's a state where my family uh, grew up. And so there's all these uh, symbolisms that kind of translate these animals. 
Um, and also just to kind of bring this narrative to that, you know, the Chinese Zodiac narrative, I feel, um, has at this point translated to different cultures and it's not just specifically <laughs> Chinese. I adapted it um, even though I didn't grow up in that culture. So I wanted to just kind of create another narrative for people to be able to kind of move in and out of. Um, I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions down, downstairs up here, let me know. Um, but again, just feel really grateful to be here to show the work. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes, the artists are here. So uh, we're not doing a question and answer right now because you'll have the opportunity to speak to them if you wish. Um, because, of course, go down to the exhibitions. The next speaker is uh, Saya Moyashi. She is the Alfredo Erguin Award for Mid-Career Artist. Of course, remember, this is 2016. And so we're very pleased to have her here. She received her BFA at the University of Washington, and she's had residencies at the Pilchuck Glass School, which I think you are aware is not that far from here. Um, and then she's also been involved in things like aqua art in Miami, which is, takes place very close, if not at the same time, as the Biennale, correct? I believe so. Yeah, so it's the same as the big art, Arts Biennale in, um, in Miami. And so there are a series of very important shows that are aligned with the Biennale itself, and she was part of one of those exhibitions. She's had a show at the Bellevue Art Museum, the Tacoma Art Museum. I mean, I think that's what's really, as I bring this again, is remember that they would grieve their awards about mid-career, but these people have continued to have fantastic careers, so it's wonderful that we get to have them here because they can kind of bring you up to date, too, also on what they're working on now. So, Saya, would you come forward, please? Thank you, Joanna. Thank you for everybody for coming today, and it's, it's such a great pleasure to win the award. It was a really great night just because it was, you know, Pat Warshino was my teacher, and Faye and Bob Jones. Bob Jones is like my, one of my first teachers, and so it was kind of like a big friend party in Sutton Bear's color, I know, and it was like, wow, this is an amazing award that it's named after artists, which is so nice because often it's named after a patron or something, but artists uh, using their name to give the, the award was really special too. So the piece I was working on, this has been an interesting process too because it was 2016 we were awarded and then we knew that in some time in the future date there would be a show. And then at, in 2017, it's like my life sort of went, or maybe it was like 2016, kind of went topsy-turvy a little bit because my uh, mother uh, got diagnosed with cancer and it was like, so I kept thinking like, when is that show? And it's like my head couldn't even get around like, I was thinking it was January 2018 at one point, and I don't know. And then finally when I got it together, I kept like telling Chloe, oh, oh yeah, let's do a studio visit. And then it would be like, oh, my mom's in the hospital. And then, you know, it's just like, it was kind of like, it, this show has been sort of like going through my head in a very weird space. But then when it finally did realize when the actual date was, and met with Chloe, and it was, she, you know, she said, oh, I've decided to give you the, uh, which Chloe's the former curator, uh, the glass, it's called the glass gallery, but the long skinny gallery, and at first I was like, oh, what am I going to do in there, because it's sort of a tricky space if you think about doing, I was kind of more interested in doing drawing and painting, and it just didn't seem right, and then it's like immediately clicked in a real visual image of what I wanted to do, and it didn't really feel like it came from an intellectual point at all, 
and I just was like, it's going to look like this, and it's going to have like this. And then I just started making the work, and it's been just really a flow and a natural process. And in, you know, with my mother dying, I had to sort of, go, I've had to physically go through like all her belongings plus my father's and my grandfather's and uh, then the family history goes back further than that with this altar that came from Japan. So it's kind of been this, all that stuff kind of went into me and then came out through this exhibition. And when I was making the pieces, it was like just uh, like really natural. But so if you read what's on the wall outside, it is like, it seems like I had a really vision to start with, but it kind of was very intuitive that came out with the vision of a lotus flower. So the lotus flower in, in Buddhism is stands in for enlightenment and the because what is under the water you can't see, but it's like really murky and, and dirty and it's the big rhizomes that are collecting the nutrients. And it just seems like you're just nowhere. But then out of that shoots this beautiful flower that pops out over the water and it's, it repels water if the rain comes on. So it just seems like this supernatural thing that comes out of the muck, which is what, you know, like we as individuals kind of are too. We're sort of in our lives, we're sort of in the muck and then our spirits can kind of fly out of it. So that's kind of the imagery and the drawings are kind of set out kind of like an archipelago of like islands. And the, the drawings kind of are random, but then they, when you do it, it's about perspective because you could turn each one, not that people are supposed to touch it, but you could turn each one. So they, it randomizes it and you can kind of take a visual journey with your eyes as if you're like island hopping and kind of go, oh, like the, you can make up one story by following something one way or another way. And then on the other end is the, there's the altar form and it's just, it's got porcelain. So that one side's kind of murky and more earthy colors and the other's just this brilliant white porcelain with the pink and it, it's, I also was kind of was interested in the idea of like the the pieces that I drew on. I put on absorbent ground medium, which is a gesso, which makes them like a piece of paper, so you can kind of absorb. And it's also like the absorbing of the rhizomes under the water. And then the other end is has show. It's called show sugibai, which it, or bon, it, which is the Japanese method of burning wood. By burning the wood, it preserves it, and bugs don't eat it, and it resists rot. So it's also the idea of the immortality of the soul and porcelain when you fire it, which is a kiln, not actual fire, but it, it also hardens and it makes it like that piece of porcelain is so dense and radiates light. So it kind of is like this two thing. So I, I hope that kind of gives people access into looking at it that, that you might not, you might not immediately <laughs> gather when you see it. So that's it. And again, to ask me questions, if you're downstairs, I'd be happy to talk to you about the work. Thank you. Um, so I, I don't remember if I, if I did this or not, but I should have said up front that, um, oh, I did, about your award. Good, I wanted to make sure. Now we get to our next award, and it's uh, Tony Angel, and it's the award for sculpture. And this has been given to three artists who work in a collaborative way, and it's Sutton Bears Kohler. Um, they are three Seattle-based artists, and the interesting thing, um, you know, they've been working together since around the beginning of the 2000s, but it's nice to also, you know, award artists that do work in this sort of presentation, performance, 
uh, a different way of, of working. You know, it, it kind of moves between sculpture, it can move between painting, it can move between all the different disciplines. And so we're very excited about having them here. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to introduce the way they work to our audience, which is not always something that we are able to do. And they have too have been very engaging in doing all sorts of different public projects. And so I think that I would also like to bring to the fore is that one of the reasons that we will continue to do the luminaires is this wonderful collaboration of people who've worked together, either they've been students or they've been professors and they know each other, the artists know each other, the artists that present uh, the awards, the same thing. And I think that it's really important for us to stay in tune with everyone. So we will continue this program. This is not the end of it. There'll be another Luminaires coming up in 2019, another group of artists. So let's go ahead and bring up our last speakers on the artist platform, and that is Sutton Bears Kohler. Come forward. Hi. Hi, I'm John Sutton. I'm Ben Barris, and uh, you get two-thirds of us today. That's like the best two-thirds. Um, Zach's at home. Him and his wife had a baby five days ago, so it's super cute. <laughs> um, he was going to try and make it, but uh, couldn't quite do it. Um, thank you so much for having us. This is an honor, and we love all the artists that we're showing with. It's great. Um, when we saw the list of people, we were... Totally thrilled, and I, I think the best part about this award is doing this show, and like we've never had a chance to show with each other, and so I think it's a really good pairing. Um, I guess what we're showing uh, this time is about 14 years worth of work, and when we've been, we met each other at Cornish College of the Arts in the late 90s, just started working on bigger projects that we couldn't really do on our own. Just like, hey, will you help me out? Will you lend a hand? And then it just kind of snowballed, and now we're like, oh my gosh, it's 19 years later, <laughs> and we're still doing it. Um, the work is, we pull each other in different ways. So sometimes performance, sometimes it's um, you know, paintings, drawings, sculptures, bronze. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we're doing right now is public art, and it's very different um, for us. We have about five different public art pieces going. Our, our practice is emailing and uh, clicking and dragging. Um, but it's really good, and we're also doing um, some curating out in Bellevue. And, it's been really fun to take this network and know all the people that we've met over the last 20 years and just pull them in and give them opportunities to curate, opportunities to show. Um, and Bellevue's been really good for um, just giving money to the arts and like having another avenue for people to show. Um, this work is, a lot of it was made at artist residencies. So we've been to the Bemis Center, we've done Pilchuck, which is great, um, the McDowell Colony a couple times. Uh, Gentel in Wyoming. Um, and it's a really good time, at least for the a collaborative. We work together, we're always on the phone, get together. But when we get to go to one place and just really concentrate, we get so much work done. We get to pass things off. And it's a really a good exercise in ego and just like giving something up. And it's kind of humbling, but it's also so much fun to be like, I have this great idea. But then it like actually gets better um, once their everyone else's hands uh, get on it. <laughs> well, usually gets better. Um, but we have vitriography uh, pieces down there from Pilchuck. We have a lot of bronze work that we, the neon pieces that we did at Gentel, um, the McDowell Colony, which I don't know if you know about that, is in New Hampshire, and it's just a wonderful place where they let you go. They feed you really well. They 
leave uh, lunch in a little lunch basket at your door at noon every day because um, they don't want to disturb the creative process. It's incredible. Um, but we worked on drawings and paintings and the big photograph of us at the amphitheater was taken there. And so we spent about a day, it's two shots, and we had a remote and poker chips. So we would put a poker chip down every, every place that we sat so we wouldn't overlap ourselves. And so it was all day and just past the camera, we had all of our clothes that we took on the residency. So we would just take some photos, put like three outfits on, take photos and keep going. So um, it's, a nice, it's a nice piece called Three's a crowd, and we kind of joke that this is how many people we need to get all the work done that we, that we have. Um, and then uh, there's another piece called A Descent, which is the rocks in, in the uh, middle of the area. This is the only second time we've shown that, which is nice to kind of dust off. Um, we did a piece for On the Boards many years ago, and we got a, just a scathing review, and it was just awful. And it just kind of stuck with us for a long time. So we ended up sandblasting each word of the review onto the stones <laughs> as kind of this like healing process. So that was kind of fun. And then uh, there's the cans of dirt as well. And so that kind of leads into, we uh, 10 years ago started a project called the Mini Mart City Park. And we found an old gas station. We're repurposing it into an art center, a park, a community center, and just a public place. And so I think it was, it was Art Matters that gave us a little grant to We've been going through so much bureaucracy that we wanted to do something fun with it, so we started canning the dirt as a fundraiser. So those are all little cans of dirt that you can purchase to become a landowner and help, help the project. Do you want to say anything more about it? Uh, I'm recovering from some uh, pneumonia, so I'm not going <laughs> to talk much. Um, thank you, Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the Mini Mart is uh, it's currently under construction. We've been working on it for 10 years. Uh, it's, it's a public sculpture. It's, it's an artist-initiated project that's uh, repurposing contaminated land um, we're in the Duwamish Valley, which is some of the most uh, endemically polluted uh, soil. Um, the Duwamish uh, River is the largest Superfund site on the West Coast. Um, and so we, through this, kind of became ac accidental activists and kind of learning about all of the endemic pollution and the history of the neighborhood, um, that it was potentially millions of dollars of liability that we took on. We created a nonprofit to um, show that there are, uh, you know, artist initiative, community initiatives that can better a neighborhood um, and, and clean up past, uh, you know, our, our previous generations were so reliant on oil and all of those things are moving forward in a different direction as society. Um, but it's been a really rewarding process for us. We've become bureaucrats. We're lobbying uh, our, our state legislatures for funding, kind of like, it's just grown our practice in such a different way. Um, we're really honored to be where we're at. Um, we'd love for you to learn more about it, and we're hoping that it becomes a model for uh, those couple hundred thousand similar sites in the nation uh, that are going to be far more expensive to clean up than its economic benefit ever um, will, will reward a landowner. Um, so, anyway, great. So, thanks to Mona, and thank you for all, for, all for coming out. Um, it's really exciting to be a part of the show. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. So yeah, please um, take the time to go downstairs and talk to the artists. As you can see, they're very interesting. They have a lot to say. And I was wondering what the can of dirt were. I figured out that you guys were the same people in the picture. Because, you know, we've had a week to look at it. And it's like, wait a minute, it's them. Because <laughs> at first I thought you went to some big rock concert or something. Um, but you didn't. You just did it yourselves. Okay, so now our last speaker is... Uh, of course, close to us, uh, not only is she um, 
a trained artist, she's a dancer, um, and she happens to be the associate in our education department. So we're really pleased that uh, Lauren has this opportunity. Uh, basically, it's Spirit of the West. Uh, it's curated by our Rust Fellow, who is Lauren Carol Boulder. And, you know, the concept that she brought, this is her master's thesis, so I think you can realize that what the museum is trying to do is we're trying to be relevant in a number of ways. You know, not only in the visual way and in the creative way, but also in a scholarship way or a way of learning, I guess is, is a better way to put it. And so the wonderful thing about Lauren and her project is that she's approaching an interpretation of art. It's our permanent collection you see on the walls. But she's doing it in a totally different vernacular, and I'm going to let her explain that. But it's just another way to reach what our mission is, and that is to present artwork in a way that can be accessible. You know, so we do, with, with the education program, we do things, we do diversity, we you know, build different audiences, we drive to the, as far as the cars can take them to schools and different things like that. So that's one way to do it. But the other way to do it is to make it accessible in a way that is the way you approach thinking not just by your physical presence. And so what's wonderful about this, and she'll explain it to you, it's just a whole different way to look at our collection. So we feel very fortunate, the museum, to have the artists that we have downstairs and to have Lauren's project up here. So please welcome Lauren. Thank you for all of you for coming today. And also, I would like to first just thank Mona and all the amazing staff that I have this great opportunity to work with and who have supported me on this project and just every day working together. Um, I would also like to thank the Rust family. I, part of this project was funded through the Rust Curatorial Fellowship, so I was awarded that last year, so I just want to thank them for giving me this possibility to put on this show as well. A um, couple more just quick things, because this was a lot for me to do. I want to thank my family, and specifically also my husband Kevin, and my grandmother who helped me make a lot of these things. They, um, it was a trial and error time, but they were very helpful. Um, so I last year spoke to the curator, former curator at the time, Chloe Dysher, right, uh, about this idea that I had. It was part of my thesis project for the University of Washington's museology program, and I had the idea to create an exhibit that featured performance art through interactive components that allowed for physical learning or kinesthetic learning. I, like Joanna said, I'm a dancer. And I had the opportunity in my master's program to take a class in dance history. And the lecturer who taught it, taught it the most interesting way to teach dance history. Um, I also have an undergraduate in dance, so I've had dance history classes in the past and a lot of different dance classes. But this was very unique. So for one day, he would teach us about specific choreographies in the classroom. He would teach us about the choreographers, the style, the history of everything. And then the next day, we would go into the dance studio and we would learn them, these historic dances. And initially, when watching the dance, sometimes some of them just did not resonate with me or really connect with me. I'd look at them and i go, okay, that's okay. It's not my personal style or taste. 
or you didn't really have that personal connection. But then the next day when I was able to actually dance them and really embody the movements, I had a very different understanding of the dance. I appreciated the movements more. I appreciated what the choreographer's intentions were. And that kind of changed my mind then on how I thought about museums. And I thought that that was a piece that could really heighten exhibit experiences um, to allow for people to be able to embody the art in a way and also connect with it through a different level. So instead of just your normal visual or um, oral, but also the physical and the kinesthetic. So I approached Chloe with this idea to create these interactives that allowed for people to interact with dance and hopefully have that chance to develop that personal connection and she allowed me to do it which is great it was a little bit frightening i think for her in the beginning um, and i had an amazing committee that supported me through it so i created this concept of an exhibit called spell of the west and the concept is life in the west is romanticized through art so i take three different components for that the f it's basically comparison be th between three parts. The first part is how the artists here in the Northwest represented their life in the West. So that's the art from the permanent collection that you see on the walls. The second part is a performance art piece, which is George Balanchine's Ballet, A Western Symphony, and how he portrayed life in the West, which is very unique because he was a Russian immigrant choreographer who moved to the, West, to the East Coast and was portraying life in the West Coast. And I think that's a really interesting representation. He was also considered the father of American ballet, so it's kind of the idea of creating the American ballet. And then the third part of it is the history of life in the West here. So you'll see in certain parts of the exhibit's actual panels more about the history, the first pioneers, or life in the West. So I wanted to kind of create a comparison to really look on how life was romanticized here. And I hope it comes across in a way, um, but this idea really came out of, the, con the idea of the concept came out of the idea of um, American identities, or United, the identity that we hold on to as Americans, or what an icon of America is. So I kind of thought about the West and the idea of, initially kind of started with the idea of a cowboy and how people really hold on to that image as a representation of America or the United States. And this image and character really started gaining popularity at a point in history, especially after World War II, as the United States became a superpower. They were looking for something that really identified them as truly American um, and separate from European influences. And so they grabbed onto this idea of the American character as the Western character. So you have movies, the Western movies, you have novels, you have other plays and theater coming out at the time, like Oklahoma. Um, and it just became so popular, that idea, but was it really a true representation of the West and the life here in the West? So that's kind of the concept that I'm hoping to look at through this gallery. It's divided into three separate areas, excluding the introduction. So the first area is in blue, and that blue represents the color of the American flag. And it looks at who is a Western American and the creation of that identity, or 
the, what is the West, the West of America. And there's art pieces from the permanent collection that have been chosen for this section. And there's also excerpts from the ballet, Western Symphony. So what I did for the ballet was I took excerpts from specific parts of it, divided it up, up, divided it up on the walls, and then this wall will show the entire ballet in its full. And I'm hoping that by giving small sections of it and maybe little things to think about, that when people get to see the entire ballet, they have some more connection with it. Maybe they've done some of the interactives and they have their own personal understanding from the ballet, or it's been broken up for you to kind of look at specific things. Because I do understand, even as a dancer, sometimes you see a full performance piece and you go, well, I'm not really sure what that's about or it's hard to understand sometimes. So I'm hoping to kind of give some guidance on things to think about and look at, and so that you can really appreciate it at the end. The second section is in purple, which is meant to be about women's role in the West, and really looking at who the women of the West were, and that I, a character of a Western woman, maybe even looking at kind of the idea of Calamity Jane, and is that really the Western woman, and the ideas, um, the ideals that Western women held on to. And then the last section is tan, and this section is looking at the relationship between man and horse, or man and nature. So you'll see some different depictions of man and horse, which sometimes resemble more of the cowboys, even though they weren't here in the Northwest in particular, but still that idea between man and nature. So that's a little bit about Spell of the West. There's a lot of interactive components, which I'm hoping are very enjoyable for people. I've already seen people interacting with them, which is really exciting. And there is no right or wrong way to interact with any of it. I think that's kind of the point of it too, is just to see what creativity people create and just do when they're doing the movements and to maybe hopefully get a smile on the face and just make people a little bit happy when they come through an art museum. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And lastly, since I am the education associate, <laughs> we are very excited today to be opening our Outside In Gallery, which is a gallery dedicated to the education department. This is a continuation of the work of Chloe Dysherpe and Jasmine Violandi. Um, they had this idea of a community gallery, a space for the community to basically bring in work from the outside and bring it into the museum. And we are very excited to make this more of a permanent fixture. So our first exhibit is poetry from young poets from Anacortes. They're either present or past students of Anacortes High School. And they had a poetry reading at Pelican Bay Bookstore in December, and they all read these amazing poems. And they are allowing us to display them. And we hope by displaying them, you also get a chance to interact with them. So we have a number of interactives. We're a chalkboard where you can write your own poetry. You can respond to the poetry. We have prompts up. We also have some the Buddha boards where you can kind of draw and watch disappear. Um, and we really hope it becomes an amazing space for the community. And we're going to have rotating exhibits throughout the year as well. So I believe the next one will be about our Mona Link program. And then the following one will be a docent curated show that will be in the gallery as well. So to officially open the gallery, um, Ellie, our education director, will be cutting the ribbon to our gallery. And we hope you all enjoy this lovely space. 
we may also today have a poet here, and if she is here at the time, I'm sure she would love to read her poem aloud to you. So if you see her and you're still around, we'd love to introduce um, Lane to you. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day and have a good time looking around all the galleries.